right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. We are here to entertain, offend, and defend anybody and everybody. We are a couple of crotchety old farts that have a bad habit of speaking the truth, but won't let a few facts get in the way of a good story. We believe in America and Americans. If there's, if there's, uh, you know, eh, well, again, I suggest if, if this is not for you, then I suggest that you change the channel here now. We still believe in freedom of speech and we'll rub your face into the cow pie of reality. We will make you scratch your head or scratch your ass, hopefully not at the same time. Uh, without further ado, my co-host is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, in his own mind, Dr. Brennan <laughs> and, and his trusty sidekick, Quinn. She's snoring. She's snoring. And then yours truly, Dan, to be severed here. So She's snoring. Yeah. And tonight, Don, would you like to do the honors of tonight, who our guest will be that we're yes, speaking sir. to? Yes, sir. This is a good buddy of mine, uh, Bill Phillips. Bill, we've known each other for over 20 years, haven't we? A little bit longer. I think we met in 95 when you showed up at, at Tucson Dojo's, uh, just Steve probably starting the UFC Club. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve owns Jewel Club. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill's, uh, what rank are you? What black belt rank are you? So I'm a neat on, a second degree neat on. Mm. Yeah, so he's been there. Hell, forever throwing, you know, wallowing in the sweat with everybody else, and right. he's a good man. He, you know, he he's a been a cop or a deputy sheriff for over twenty years, and you wouldn't know he was a cop. He don't have that cop attitude, you know. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate that. And, and now, and now he's running for sheriff for uh, Pima County, right? Pima County, That's yes, correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Yes. Well, let's let's jump into it there. Let's uh, let's start because I just have just. Questions right now, I mean, Bill. I mean, how long have you been involved in, in law enforcement? Well, I, I retired in June of, of this year, and that was 31 years. I was a, a deputy with the Pima County Sheriff's Department. I retired at the rank of uh, of lieutenant. In my last assignment, I was in charge of the Vail District, putting that together, and also the rural patrol uh, deputies that responded into the more rural type areas. You were a Marine first, then. How soon after being a Marine did you become a deputy? So, so I went in the Marine Corps, right? I, I signed up when I was still a senior in high school. So I'd leave town and, and not just be hanging around causing problems kind of deal. So I went in the Marine Corps. I did, I did my one enlistment, got out as a corporal, army discharged as a corporal, came back to Tucson in 1980. And I, I initially worked construction through the summer, and then I got hired by IBM. And I started in the warehouse and moved through uh, into more of a manufacturing area. And while I was working IBM, I started going back to school and I started Pima and I eventually transferred and took an educational leave of absence and um, moved up to NAU prior to the internet, all that sort of thing. I went to school and finished uh, my uh, college degree. I've got a bachelor of science degree in criminal justice with a minor in communications. And then um, I simply, um, I, I went up to Colorado Springs, did a little, little bit of training and realized I wasn't all that good a judo player. There's a lot better people up there, but I did that and had a great time meeting all. Uh, you know, the, the, the group of athletes up there and so forth came back. How long, to how long were you there for? So 
I was up there about six months between yeah. two different times of going up there, two different periods there between the, my junior and senior year and then getting right out. As soon as I graduated, I went up for the summer. Uh, came back down and um, got hired by the sheriff's department, uh, did a short stint at the jail. Now went over to adult probations as a surveillance officer and then went through the academy and, and started, became commissioned, uh, commissioned law enforcement in uh, June of 1992. Damn. And then you just now retired. Just now retired, yes. Yeah. Yeah, just now retired, but now throwing your hat in to become the sheriff. So it's kind of like going, yes. well, we're just we're just dropping down one hat and just putting on a different hat here now. That's that's all you're really doing right, here. Right. No, actually, no, I, that's actually kind of interesting that you you joined right into military right right out of high school and uh you said you went for for uh, was it a two-year or four-year or a three three-year I was in the Marine Corps for three years, did a three-year okay. enlistment there, open contract, yeah. And then, and, then, and then got out, got out as a corporal in E4. And then I actually looked at going back in when I finished my degree. I looked at going back in as an, as an officer, but I was a little bit older than what they really want. So it was either I would have done that instead of the law enforcement. I was actually really interested, but uh, I went ahead and, and steered more toward the law enforcement at that point. So they don't want you when you're 31 years old. Because I was older when I finished because of everything else I'd done. I graduated when I was 31. And you meet the criteria, but they really they want you a little younger to kind of kind of form you as an officer you know type of deal right. so, but i was proud to be a marine man i was at like donnie you know i know don's dad was a lieutenant colonel in the army and you know he air force in fort, you know, yeah, fort wachuca and so oh, was the air force i thought it was army no he sir was air force he's he's uh head of tritac over there for a while yeah. but he was the life yeah, just light somebody got fired yeah yeah like bird yeah, yeah i remember that yeah yeah no, I think the, the, the military aspect right there, that was something that uh, really intrigued me a great deal because I was, I was looking at right out of high school. It's like, well, if I go, if, I, if I'm going to go to college, how am I going to pay for college? Just kind of like going, well, I found I had a few of my teammates on the wrestling team. They had older siblings that simply just upon high school graduation, they went to the military, came back out, went to college on the GI Bill. I thought, okay, there's option number one. But by my sure. by my sophomore year, I had the first of the college coaches starting to talk to me. It's, it's kind of like going, oh, Got option number two here now. Let's kind of let's exercise this this program here just a little bit to see how it goes. But uh, but even now, I mean, uh, I'll just say that that many years later, um, I do I do work with uh, law enforcement, corrections, air marshal, border patrol, and military. But I have my specialty is a ground combatives program, and, and right. it really differs a great deal on the equipment that you have to wear because what a corrections officer wears is one thing what a, a duty officer wears is something else but then military oh when you throw a 80 to 100 pound rucksack on your back and uh, you got your weapon strapped on your i mean it's a it's a whole different animal altogether there what yeah uh, grappling's what a little equipment. different <laughs> yeah yeah with all that so, equipment <laughs> yeah so i get it yeah yeah absolutely well, what uh, I mean, what what can you tell me? Uh, what can you tell us here about what what kind of platform? What are you, what are you looking to try to change? That uh, I mean, obviously you're running for this office. Is it? Do you see a need of, of change? And what kind of changes are you looking to 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 go for? Well, you know, so so Dan, you know, I grew I grew up in Tucson, and one of the reasons I'm running is I've had a lot a lot of support and people over the years that. It's, think I should do that. And it's really humbling. They feel like I've really got the skill set to do this thing. Um, you know, and, and it's just all the time. I know a lot of people here. So after 31 years of being there, you do see some things that are consistently a problem and, and, and they're not easy fixes. I'm not going to say that 
that these other sheriffs haven't tried and, and done things like that and so forth. But I do have some ideas and I want my opportunity to go in there and try to make a difference. You know, um, you know, what, one of the things right now we talk about are the schools and, and you, don't, you don't have enough deputies, you don't have enough money to have an SRO in every school and that sort of thing. You know, that, that's what you always hear. So you have to think outside the box. So one of the main things I'm going to start with is putting a reserve program together. So I'm going to ask the deputies that are retiring um, if they would stay on as a reserve, which requires um, some training firearms and defensive tactics and some, some, some professional type training throughout the year. And if they would stay on as a reserve deputy, which means that their commission, their law enforcement, that sort of thing, if they would come in and work one day a week and put a uniform on and grab a pool car and go sit in a school parking lot. And, and if you do that, you can cover the majority of these county schools and you have a deputy that's on scene that is looking for anything uh, suspicious out of, out of the ordinary people moving in and he could respond quickly. And it's a deterrent also. So that's one of the things I want to do. And I also want to use a reserve program to recruit from the bottom in because it's, you know, law enforcement now is getting, it's getting hard to get people. There's, there's a lot of scrutiny out there. It's a, it's a tough job. Um, you know, you're, you're in that fishbowl all the time. Their decisions, you know, you try to make good decisions. So you, you know, it's hard to get people in there, but there are people that want to still do it, but you got to kind of roll them through the jail at like an 18 year old type of situation. So if they're 18, it's 21 to be a, be a cop, but I want to try to hire them into jail, give them an opportunity when they turn 21 to go through a reserve program too. Then they're commissioned and they can go anyplace else and work, but you also can utilize them at the department for um, extra manpower and so forth. And they've got the training. So that kind of facilitates the problem recruiting at the jail, recruiting as a deputy to give them this stepping stone. So I'm using the reserve program would be my number one thing to get started here. Yeah, no, there's uh, just the last couple of years with COVID. I mean, it's uh so many people have dropped out of the workforce. I see when I travel around, I see help wanted signs everywhere. The internet is, is uh, inundated with, uh, you know, help wanted signs. When, when, when a McDonald's, when a McDonald's is offering $20 an hour. Okay, <laughs> is it 20 Bill, in Michigan? Yeah. Bill. <laughs> McDonald's is not a career move, okay? McDonald's was that, okay, you're a purple-faced kid in high school, and you're going to flip a few greasy burgers, and you're going to realize, I don't like this job. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to, you know, you're not supposed to be doing it as a career move. It's supposed to be right. something that is a stepping stone into something else, but you actually start, I see a lot of much older people yeah. that uh, are entering these more. jobs. And that's, that's crazy. It's absolutely right. crazy. Right, right. So, um, well, I tell you, it's, uh, and, and, and there's so many government programs that were simply paying people to stay home. And I kept thinking, there is, as, as my father used to say, no tiki, no washi. You know, okay. there's no, <laughs> there is no such thing as free. Someone yeah, is paying right. for it somewhere along the way. And uh, uh, that's, we need a lot of leader, good leadership in a lot of different ways is what, what we need. You know, Dan, one of the things on the, you know, you know what you see in law enforcement a lot, you know, it's a difficult situation, but you see a lot of people jump into conclusions. They'll see a video, they'll see something. And, but the problem is when you have government officials, you know, whether it may be, it may be city people in a, in a, in a city government or county, or you have a police chief or a sheriff and, and they don't, 
they, they, they come up with a conclusion before there's a thorough investigation and they don't support the people the right way. People don't feel like you've got their backs out there. And, and you know, you got to have somebody that is willing to sit back and, and let things get taken care of, see what really happened out there. And if you make a mistake, you stand with, with the people and you deal with the mistake, bottom line and so forth. But I think that, you know, to get and, and for the cops not to put the blinders on these days and simply come to work and just do what they absolutely have to and no more. They've got to know that they're going to be supported by their administration. And, and if they make a mistake, they're going to work through it together and people aren't going to jump to conclusions, see a little piece of a video and, 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 ba and base everything off of that piece. You know, there's going to be good investigation. So I, I think that that's something else that, that, that really needs to happen here. And, I, and I'm not saying that in, in this specific department that that's occurring, but it, it, in general, in law enforcement, there's a lot of that going on. And I don't, I think people look at that and they think, my God, why, why would I want to do that as a career? But it is a very rewarding career when you get involved. You look at, at, at things that you help people with and, and, and make a difference and so forth. So there's a lot of really good things. We just need to get the right people in there and, um, and, and you support them type of deal. And I, and I think I, you know, I, I feel like over the, over the time that the areas that I've run and been in charge with, that I've always had the backs of the deputies. And I think I'm going to get a lot of support from the deputies. I, I think they know that I'm that type of person that, that, that will have their back, you know. And, well, and again, so, yeah, you, you've, you've got so many years in, uh, in, in so many different, different aspects of that, the job already. So you are, I mean, you're, you're a resident there of, of the community. You've been, uh, you know, you've been there for so many years and now you've said 30, 31 years, you know, so it's, uh, you, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the lay of the land, you know, the problems that, that, uh, the, the, the various departments have faced and, uh, budgets and, and things of that nature, what, what you have to deal with. Um, it's, I think the hard part is going to still be the recruiting of good people. Right. That's going to be really kind of hard because it, it's, uh, the last couple of years has really, has really taken, has, well, I mean, finally, the last couple of years has all it's done is lowered the bar. There's uh, I, I when's Bill, when's the last time you heard about the presidential physical fitness awards that used to be in high school, junior, junior high, and that uh, yeah. that hasn't been talked about in how many years now? Yeah, yeah, I don't. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I haven't heard heard that for, for forever. No, it seems it's, like it's, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, if there's. I, I, I've had the opportunity. I've traveled. I've traveled every state inside the United States. I've been to every country that has ever had a wrestling program. I know why everyone's coming to the United States because it truly is the land of opportunity. Sure. And because mm -hmm. uh, when you go to a few of these countries and you, you know, I, I'll just use the example. There's okay. Like if if the, there there will be a gay parade that will take place inside the United States, and we will provide protection so that they can do their lawfully. They can they can do their demonstration. They can they can speak about it. They can uh, do their little, little march stuff like that. We're the only country that will do something like that. You try try to do that in China. Try to do that in Russia. Right. You will either end up in the gulag. Yeah, they'll right. chop your head off, and they'll use it as a soccer ball. Yep, and. Uh, that's how they cope with a lot of that stuff. Yeah, you know? I guess I that's the people. problem is people in the U.S. have not been outside their own fucking neighborhood, so they don't know anything about what the rest of the world is like. You know? well, I'll, I'll play right off that there, Don. And you, you're spot on there, Don. You know, Bill, the fact that you you were and, and the Marines and things of that nature as well, that that's again, speaks higher, more uh, quality of, of the, the type of training that you have. 
and and the fact that uh, I mean it's just as you're involved in the Marines and that I mean it's it's all about America protection. You know, sure. you see what you see what's happening in military now that military now is giving you a yellow card. Sure, in boot Cards. camp. You Sarge, if you're too stressed you, out. <laughs> you, you're yelling at me too much there, Sarge. I, I got to pull up my little yeah. yellow card here because right. I need a I need a timeout. No, I want that soldier gone. You know? yeah, things want, are changing. You know, yeah. you, you. so as far as a commitment, I like, you know, I, you remind me of something I like to talk, talk about that I'm really proud of. Is, so I grew up in Tucson, but my granddad, um, if you if you Google the San Simone rest area in, in Arizona, Southern Arizona, and you put in Percy Jones Jr. It talks about my granddad. Well, he 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 was the head engineer on the Salt River Canyon. So he died in 1980 at 93 years old. But up until 1980, he had been the head engineer on 80 percent of the roads built in Arizona. And um, so I, you know, third generation Arizona, just really proud of Pima County and so forth. But uh I, but uh, real quick, I just tell you something really quick that was funny about my granddad. He's a real down to earth guy, and I had two buddies of mine when I was in the Marine Corps that were going to U of A and they were getting engineering degrees. And he would, he would, they would go to his house when he was ninety because he knew him. You know, he used to take us out and stuff. When when he was ninety, they would go to his house and he would help them with their calculus homework. And they would complain because he'd pour them a little bit of bourbon. And they would say, do you have any soda? And he would say, you can't ruin the good taste of bourbon with soda. So he would make these 19-year-old kids sip their bourbon with just water and ice. Well, 19-year-old, he wants, to, he wants to pour a little Coke in there. So they'd always complain about the, about the bourbon deal. But if you, if you read about him, it's a pretty interesting guy. And um, you know, I will tell you, was when I went in the Marine Corps, he told me he'd help me in college. At the time, I didn't think I'd go to school. So I was going in the Marine Corps. I thought he'd be a little disappointed. He and he was in the First World War. It talks about that at the at the restaurant when you read the narrative and, and the plaque that's over there. You, you can Google that and read it about. But I thought he'd be disappointed. I called him up. I said, I'm gonna go to the Marine Corps instead of go to college. And he told me, he said, I think that's a great decision. There's a lot of people with a formal education and absolutely no common sense. Now, this is from a guy that was well educated, you know, graduated from the Colorado School of Mines and Engineering, was like 20 years old, you know, back in, in the early 1900s and stuff. But anyway, I've just always been proud of him. But but that that's one another reason I want to run. I just, you know, I, I, I'm vested in the state of Arizona and Pima County, and we've got family been around forever and I just really want to I want to see things continue in a, in a good way and just make it do my job to keep everything safe that's my job police stuff and then I I want to do everything we can to keep the citizens of Pima County safe and so forth and, and, well, no, I know and we've I'm excited to about this we had a chance to meet your wife a little bit earlier but I mean you're married and, and do you have children I, I didn't, we didn't really address no, five nephews five nephews, five nephews. no kids okay. of our own all the animals are like the kids you know we've got a We've got we've got a bunch of those, and then Phyllis is um her dad was the um he retired in 1989 from the city of Tucson, but he was the deputy city manager in Tucson for years, and he was the interim city manager on numerous occasions. And I asked him one time, I said, "How come you're just not the city manager?" And he said, "Well, because the city manager, you're at will of the city council, and they can just get rid of you." He goes, "I had three daughters." race i need to have a consistent job so he was a deputy city man so he ran the city he he was he, he you know one of the biggest things that he did was bringing in the cap he was a big that was one of his big career deals that he did he retired in 1989 bill Ely. so he kind of an interesting guy he's 90 
92 years old. He's still, he's still, still around. So, well, you, I, I tell you, you, you inherited, you inherited some pretty darn good genes there when you said, I think so. Yeah. Wow. Your granddad at 93 years of age. Holy moly. That's, uh, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. If you get a chance, Dan, later, Google, Google San Simone Raspberry and Percy Jones, and you can read about it. It's pretty neat. Percy Jones. Yeah. Percy Jones, Jr. Yeah. No, but I definitely I, I I like history, and that's yeah. what a lot of a lot of Americans don't realize. You better study your history, otherwise it repeats itself. Right, right. So again, I'm I'm big about I'm, I'm really big about education, and that's because. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, Bill, what, what 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 what's your plans about um the border and the drugs and all that nonsense going on? Well. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that, that, that that's a little disappointing is, is this recent, you know, over the last few years was the Stone Garden money that that was provided by the federal government to these local agencies along the border. We utilized it for years and you go down and support, you know, some of the Border Patrol missions. And, and, and I worked a lot, a lot of Stone Garden operations um, my last few years there when I was a sergeant prior to promoting the lieutenant. What's, this, um, what's, Stone, what's Stone Garden? It's, it's, it's just an acronym for for utilization of money from the federal government in support of the border patrol so the, so the local law enforcement agencies along the border were afforded this 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 money that they could use for overtime and and, and have law enforcement officers down doing more missions around the border and stuff like that and some of it was supported border patrol but there was a there was kind of a push against the border patrol people didn't really like the border patrol and they made it kind of a political thing and uh and the border supervisors denied um a big chunk of money over a million dollars for pima county to utilize to do this stuff now um these missions i worked what i saw more than anything else and especially in the ajo districts and stuff was border patrol main function is out there saving people's lives. They are dealing with people all the time that are lost, they've been without water for a day or so, they get the medics on the scene. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. So when people try to say that they do, that you're using this money to support Border Patrol and it's kind of a harassment against certain people or this and that, that's not true. And we have a mechanism for complaints, you know, like everybody does, law enforcement, it's taken serious. If somebody has an issue they can call in a complaint but it doesn't make any sense to turn down when all you people talk about there's no money but then you turn down a you know a million million and a half dollars because it's a little political thing because there's a handful of people that don't like border patrol and and, and that happened a while back um i do so when you talk about the border one of the things that has been really frustrating for me for years is a lack of rural patrol response by the sheriff's department. And it's been there since I started. You know, when you talk about more of the metro area, you're still in the county, but you're up around the areas that, that are more around Tucson. But the outlying areas of San Pedro, you know, River Valley, um, everything down to three points down to Sassabee, Aravaca, all those areas are just kind of put on the back burner. And deputies typically respond when they have have to there's a call they go down there but there's no proactive response um quite a few years ago the search and rescue folks were out in those areas some when they weren't on calls but they got pulled in chuck huckleberry got rid of them, what was called the parks unit which were the internal parks in town and so forth and so they had the search and rescue guys start checking these parks i want to put the search and rescue guys back out there and when they're not handling, handling search and rescue calls they need to be out 
in the rural areas and then put a rural patrol group together that, that works with the ranchers and they and they it's like the old school stuff the rancher has somebody specific in the San Pedro River Valley, for instance, Andy Smallhouse, the biggest rancher down there, a good buddy of mine, he has a deputy that he works with on a regular basis. And if there's cut fences, whatever, he calls, the deputy can go out there and make an appointment set up. But if there's priority calls, they're out there patrolling also. Right now, if, if there's something that happens down in the San Pedro, we may have a guy go through the Cat Catalina and by you to get all the way through Pinal County, get around there. It's a tough deal, but they don't know how to find these areas because nobody ever goes out there and patrols. I still get a phone call here and there and they're trying to find something up in Reddington Pass because I've spent so much time up and there. People still call me to ask how to, how to get to the Bar Y Ranch House out there. So I'm gonna, I, I want to put a real solid rural patrol down because even if you live out at the edge of Pima County, you pay taxes and you deserve to have law enforcement presence out there. And it's just, it's been non-existent for 31 years, honestly. It goes in a few spurts and you'll get a little bit, you know, there'll be something bad happens, you know, um, you know, years ago in the San Pedro, this 30 years ago, we had, we had some, some um, um, people down there, they were, I think they were out of Mexico, they were here illegally, and they were doing some home invasions, and ended up catching them and so forth, but there was some presence after that, because you had a bad situation, there was a lot of complaining, but it solely just goes away and, you, and they pull deputies up because they're short and they just kind of forget about those areas. So, and, 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 and you're going to handle some of this drug stuff too, if you're working the outlying areas, you have to coordinate a lot with, with border patrol and do, and, and, and work with Intel. You can work with game and fish. You can work with forest service. Um, you know, we get the sheriff's department does get stuck with a lot of stuff, you know, because you've got one forest service law enforcement, person for the whole part of Southern Arizona. So we end up wow. doing a lot of, a lot of the work and I'm okay with doing that, but we also want them in the game a little bit. There needs to be a little better coordination and the same thing with game and fish department. We work with them, but you know, we handle some stuff for them quite a bit, but I want to put, I want to have more of an opportunity that people are working together and, and you know, and, and everybody's got to have skin in the game, you know, kind of deal. So, so to answer your question on that, I think a lot of presence down in the border working intel and uh, with border patrol, understanding who you're looking for and so forth. Because it is, a, it is a, it's a major problem and it's dangerous. It's different than 25 years ago when a lot of people were coming across and they were, you know, people, majority of people coming across were trying to get here and find a job and stuff. It's all, it's all cartel, drug related and the majority of that stuff now. And these people, what people don't understand is the majority of people coming across are getting victimized too. The real, the, the, the ones that are really, that are just trying to get up here and get a little better life, by the time they get up here, there's some violent crimes. And the women, um, we take a ton of reports because we handle all the reports. It's probably rare for a, a woman to make it all the way through and not having been assaulted in some matter in right. her trip, right. which is really unfortunate. But so um, presence. Yeah, everybody, board, everybody thinks it's just a white man trying to pick, keep the brown man out and, uh, you know, and beat him down. No, we're, they're out there protecting them and trying to protect them, you know, because yes, yes. there's no fucking, yeah. there's no color when it comes to right and wrong, you know? Yeah. But we're, but, we're yeah, we'll put a good rural patrol together. There's going to be better, you know, and, and then you, and then you taught you doing with the ranchers, you know, there's a lot of intel with the ranchers, you know, they, the whole San Pedro, if you come up from, from where you grew up, you know, you run up through Sierra yeah. Vista and, and you jump on and run that San Pedro road, you end up coming out of San Manuel and you can get into Phoenix. That's a corridor for drugs and there's never patrol down there. Really? Ever, you know, and, um, but there will be, there will be here shortly in, in 16, 18 months or will be, I'll tell you that. It's your plan. Sure. 
Yeah. Now, now, what about the uh, title forty two getting ready to to go down? Uh, I know. That's that's so, coming up here in a few days. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, honestly, I don't know. I, I think. Since I'm not at the department right now, I don't I don't know of any intel briefings. I'm not sure. I'm kind of seeing what's on the media, but I I just think that there'll probably be a big influx of people, and, and and along with that come a lot of problems and so forth. Now, as far as the sheriff goes, I think that you would want to just you've got to handle the criminal activity that's going to be associated with it, whatever that may be, because you know you're making you you're. Your number one function is to keep Pima County residents safe. And if there's a big influx and they're going through ranches or they, if they end up up here in the Tucson areas, out in the county areas, and there's petty crime and that sort of thing going on because of all this, you're going to have to handle that. I, I just, I don't know until, until we see it. You know, I basically am seeing what you, what everybody's seeing on the news right now, but it appears to me it's going to be certainly be a problem. Um, you know, I, I don't know. So, you know, with the, the, it sounds like, it sounds like a, uh, Active duty military going to go down and assist in some manner, kind of admit, you know, they're making a point of making sure that everybody knows they're not going to have any kind of hands on. So they're making, I don't, for whatever, why ever they're, I, I don't, I'm not sure why they're doing that, but, but I, 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 I don't know if that's going to help or not, but I, I just, boy, I, I don't know. I guess my answer to that is if you're the sheriff in, in whatever crime occurs because of it, if it does, and it seems to think, you know, you would, you would think it would, that you'd have to, you know, adjust resources to maybe handle that kind of crime that, that's occurring, you know, immediately. Yeah, why, why, why can't that simply just be viewed as an invasion? Just an invasion. Yeah. I mean, maybe you think about that, just too many people, no one's, no one's going to be processed properly. And, and uh, you know, again, that I've seen the, I, I, I watched the news and it yeah. doesn't matter which channel you watch right there. You just see all these people are, are sitting over there waiting, watching the time uh, click down and then they're going to be making making the walk across yeah yeah it's going to be interesting um well i mean if we'll the see. Fucking, i mean i, I the, the fucking ahead, idiot in the white house is betraying the whole country you know i mean uh well, you know he, he's he's a traitor he's traitorous to the country you know we we know he's getting paid off by the by the chinese you know and um and by not protecting, I mean, his sole purpose is primary purpose being president is protect the citizens of the United States of America. And he's failed to do that. I mean, he's almost on, he's on the other side, pushing the people into the United States. Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally agree with what Don is saying that uh, protection of, of, of the United States in general, having open borders, that is, I mean, that's, that's downright, it, it's treasonous. The yeah, fact yeah. that he's not, uh, you, you got to process people the right way. I mean, the, the United States. I mean, I, every time I see the Statue of Liberty, I mean, that's it's, it's again. It's uh, yeah, we, we we're we're there, there. There's everyone inside the United States here. There, there's nobody that's a blue blood anymore. We're all mixtures. We're all. Oh, I, I always said I, I'm nothing more than than an all American mutt. In the first place, most people are nothing more than all American mutt with our our different bloodlines, but. Uh, you know, do it the right way. I, that's, right. that's all it is. Just do it the right way. But uh, we don't have the type of people that uh, are are doing the due diligence. You have a VP that has never gone down. That I, I again that I'm aware of down to the border. She's you gone know, down. She's, what's that? <laughs> she's gone oh. down. <laughs> Not on the border, but she's gone down. <laughs> oh. Well, it, it's it's certainly. You know, it impacts us right here, you know, right along the border for sure. And, um, you know, but 
you basically utilize the U.S. Constitution as, as your guideline and state yeah. state statute. You know, with the state legislators, you know, vote on it and state law and stuff. Is you know, people put them in place, and 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 that's how and that that that's how you enforce law enforcement. You basically U.S. Constitution and state law, bottom line, and 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 so forth. Um, you can't. I mean, you can't have the a law enforcement officer has some flexibility when they're dealing with civil traffic stuff and like that. But when it comes to criminal type stuff, you simply have to enforce what the state statutes are and what the U S constitution says, you know, basically. So, yeah. So with your reserve program, um, would you limit it to just uh, retired uh police personnel or, or military personnel, or could somebody like me uh, try and sign up and, and join the reserve program? Well, I, you know, so, so starting out right out the gate is I want to catch the people that are retired because they're already certified. Right. So you can use them right away if, 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 and, and put them in the schools. That'd be the first function. It's not school, but the parking lots out there to try to get that. But, but, you know, you have your, your adult person has got a regular job. And if they want to, if they want to be a reserve, I want to put a program together that people can do that. Now they'd have to, it's about a year program if you do a reserve because it's not going through a, an academy in a, in a three month period and then a field field training and so forth. Since it's reserves, it's usually, you know, one night a week and then on a Saturday and so forth. So it'd take about a year, but I will, I'm certainly going to look at trying to put an, even a bigger reserve program together. And I want to do it with people going in and working at the jail or, make the jail an opportunity to get into the reserve program because the jail is really, really hard to uh, get employees in there. They just, it's a really tough place to work. They're, they're having the commission deputies on a regular basis go over there and work. And it's, it's been a real bit, it's been a big morale problem because they, they just don't, they don't want to do it, but they, they just, you know, they don't have enough people there. They're not able to hire enough people. So I want to use the jail as a stepping stone to get, certified in law enforcement but to answer your question like somebody has got a separate career maybe in their 30s and so forth i'm not opposed to having a reserve program there either because you know the more help you can get the better and i, I think reserves are one way to do it now south tucson has a reserve program and they actually pay so that would be something mo, mo, I, the, the majority of them don't really don't pay but south tucson does but I, I so you'd have to look it down the road and if it works out well you may even you may even do it in a situation where people you know you can pay pay them something as a reservist and so forth but i'm, I'm going to look at all those avenues to, because you know if you can get people in there and, and and they've got a regular job with benefits and all that stuff and they just want an interest in, in helping in the community and be a certified police officer and come to work and make a little bit of money then that works too and you sure also take a look at that. Is there is there is there a website there, Bill? That uh, I mean, as people are watching this uh, uh, video, that uh, is there a website that people that are that will be viewing this that they could go to to find out more information as to how they go and uh, apply? Is there so so what what what's you know if 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 I win the office if I if I okay. get in and I'm the sheriff over there we'll we'll put everything together. It's going to be like any type of hiring process and so forth as far as a reserve program and um they're they, you know they do hire so the jail is different you're not you're not a commissioned law enforcement officer at the jail um so you can do it at 18 years old you do go through a small academy that, that pertain to, to the duties at the jail and some defensive tactics and stuff like that because you know it's a tough job but so they start at 18 but at 21 you know if if, if they if they want to 
go through the reserve program, you give an opportunity for those employees to already do it. And then that's your hiring pool. So you have these people here to help out. So, so um, all that stuff's on the website now for the sheriff's department. I, I do think, I, I did hear that, I think right now, one of the things that they're gonna do is anybody that's a commissioned law enforcement that's going through a commission academy to be a law for the sheriff's department, I think that they're talking about having them work at the jail for a few months out of the academy just so they can try to try to man the jail a little bit, which, you know, is, is something that did, you know, they got to have people there. But the other problem with the jail is it, it's, it's this huge issue that it's, it's almost, you know, I think it's pushing 40 years old. They're trying to decide if they need a new jail um, or if they're going to, you know, remodel this jail that they have, but, you know, the board of supervisors, you know, sometimes I think they, they, they don't make quick enough decisions. You know, if, if they're going to build a new jail, you're still four years out on doing something like that. So they're going to have to do some work at the jail that's there now. Um, so you got to have these people someplace. But, you know, and, and it's about money a lot of times. But all these agencies, these local agencies around. So, so the sheriff's department, I'll tell you something that's interesting about the sheriff's department is Pima County Sheriff's Department takes a lead in everything in Southern Arizona. We run regional SWAT and negotiations team. We're in charge of it. So it encompasses Oro Valley, Marana, Sarita, South Tucson, everybody but the uh, city of Tucson, um, some of the uh, Tohoto Odom, um, Pasca, Yaki, all these agencies. We run the Southern Arizona um, Training Academy. So all these, Oro Valley, all these agencies go through our academy when they're certified in peace officers. We run the Hyder Range, which is the federal shooting range, but we're in charge of it. We man it. So we... We take a lead in all these different areas, the bomb guys, the mobile field force. It's all regionalized, but we're in charge. But our deputies, I was talking to a deputy today that's got about 10, 11 years on, and they make $8 an hour less money than the same person at TPD. But we're, we, we lead all this stuff out. We have, we have a, a, it's just a phenomenal department as far as professionalism and, and skill set but they pay way less. And that's the problem with the board of supervisors. And I think historically speaking, that I think you need a sheriff that's gonna go in there and, and he's not afraid to rock the boat. I, I, if I go in there, I'm not gonna be two years into it thinking about how I get elected in, in the following two years for the next four years. You need to go in there and just work hard for those four years. and you. You know, I understand you have to work with people and you have to work with the board of supervisors and the county manager's office, but you, they also have to work with you. And, and I think you have to be willing to go out and, and tell, tell the public what's really going on and so forth. And you have to have, you know, if they're not, if they're not getting these people up to par on pay, if people are leaving all these other agencies, you're losing all this experience. You have to go out and, and tell everybody what's going on out there. And that may be a problem for you down the road getting elected again, but I'm willing to do it because you got to get the message out there because it's happening. We are losing people. And when you lose those people that have that seven, eight year period of time in law enforcement, that's where they really start having that experience. That's where they've seen the majority of it. They've been to that type of call and stuff. And so there, there's limited liability on those people when they're when because they've started to get that experience and they're the ones training the newer people but when you have those people leaving out of their agencies pretty soon you've got a fairly young department and they're all shopping for something else to go to and you end up with just people that don't really have the skill set and we're not there yet but it's going to happen if things don't change and the board of supervisors have to understand that they've got to pay you know it's not always about pay but 
a big portion of a campaign. And, and, and when you're running everything and you're doing all the training and all these other agencies, you have this, but you're making way less money. It doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, and like, I think it's always feels, been like feels that. like a lack of respect and you're underappreciated. You know? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. So that's something else that, that, that you have to really work at. Um, you know, something else that I really want to do it. And I'm very passionate about this. And I know Don, Don is too, because, you know, we, you know, he's got his pup right there with him. I want to put a really strong animal cruelty task force back together. We had one about mm. 10 years ago, Mike Duffy, that's over at the humane side. He was a detective and Therese DeShane's put this thing together and we would have monthly meetings. We had veterinarians, livestock. We had all kinds of people in the community that would come together once a month. And we had a strong, strong animal cruelty task force. And it, it basically went away. There's one detective right now in animal cruelty. It handles everything. And, he, and half the time he's wow. getting assigned other cases. And for large animals, livestock, it's non-existent. Livestock, people think that livestock handles animal, you know, animal, animal cruelty investigations for horses or whatever. By statute, they handle cattle going to market. And they don't, it, it, it's, it's upon the geographic law enforcement agency to handle that. People don't understand that. So part of the rural patrol thing is you put this livestock together. And for the people that aren't overly passionate about animals, I think, but you, one thing that you have to keep in mind, and, it, it's, it, and people know this, I mean, because you hear about it all the time. When you look at crimes against animals, I, the, the, two, the two things for crimes, later crimes against women are arson and animal cruelty when you see young people involved in crimes against that. So if nothing else, if you, if you, look, if you, if you look at these animal cruelty type situations and you, and you enforce everything, you have an opportunity to kind of change that, um, people down the road. They, they can commit crimes against women and stuff like that. But for me, it's all about, you know, really taking good care of these animals in this, in the rural patrol. That's part of what I want to do is get to get, get, get some deputies out there that understand how to load livestock. Because right now you'll have, I won't stay on this too long, but you'll have a deputy gets a call on a horse. that's not being fed and he gets out there and here's a skinny horse and he doesn't know what to do. And he calls livestock and they're like, well, no, that's on you. We don't have anybody that can even come out there and help you. And then, so he doesn't know what to do. So he simply tells the owner, you better start feeding your horse. Or I'm going to rest you next time. And he leaves and he never falls up because he doesn't know what's he supposed to do with a horse. You know, nobody knows how to do that. I'm going to put a plan together where I've already, I worked it before we, we left with the Pima County Fairgrounds. And we've got some corrals out there we bought a horse trailer but it's just sitting there nobody's using it and stuff but i want to get that in place so we can start seizing these animals and do the right investigations but again you have to work with, with the whole community and we need to get all these vets back in place and do all that and um and, and so forth so i wanted to you know so so when you go down the list of stuff i've been talking about the reserve program the rural stuff i want to start with a a big animal cruelty task force again and and and, and then you you've got a lot of me up. I'd, be, I'd be more than interested to be a part of that partner yeah yeah absolutely I, i'll take we take, take all the help you know any type of community involvement you know why not you want people to help we've got a big volunteer program we've got over 400 sabs um volunteers that did that work but sometimes they're limited on what they can do i think you can expand them out a little bit you know the uh the city's got, I, I think it's a CSO program. I'm not sure what the acronym stands for, but they're they're not a law enforcement person, but they go out, you've seen them all. They go out and handle like the minor traffic accidents and they do point control, like when there's an accident or, you know, a, a, a stoplight's broken or there's a gas leak or something. And they actually go out and they help in these areas and they, and they 
you know, it's a, it's a job. They, they get hired by the city to do that. They work for the police department, but they're not good. So we, we, we could, we could use our volunteers and better utilize them to get them out, out a little bit more doing those sorts of fun. They can check the internal parks to where if they see something, they can call a deputy, but their eyes and ears and so forth, they can do, do the periodic checks on people's homes when they're on vacations and stuff and free up the deputies to do a lot of this. And we have a, a strong volunteer program um, that people, I mean, people retire and get involved in this volunteer and it's everything to them. I mean, they really, really take it serious and they do a great job, but I think sometimes they're pulled back. I think that we can expand them a little bit and have more involved and free up some of the deputies too. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, I, I think, I think something else that, that really needs to be looked at is the fraud, some of the fraud stuff. Um, you know, we have green Valley is ours, you know, it's not, it's not an incorporated city. People think it is sometimes, but you know, it's the law enforcement's handled by Pima County Sheriff's department. There's so much fraud out there from older people getting these weird phone calls that their grandson's in prison here. And, you know, they get in the rundown and get these gift cards and so forth. And, you know, I want to put, the, I want to have a, a, a detective a fraud detective that's on 24 7 answer a phone and and we get the message out through the banks and family and and just the community organizations and meetings and homeowner associations with these people that are getting up in those years where they they can be a little bit confused and you just you just you know you, you they have a a magnet on their uh, on their refrigerator with the phone number if you know and, and you just tell them time after time if you get an odd phone call you're not sure about you call this number and so forth. So you can kind of shut down some of that stuff because, you know, they're, they're, it's a sad deal when you go take a call and you've got some person that's a little confused and they're older and they just gave 30,000 bucks away to somebody, you know, over wherever they, you know, they're not even in the United States usually doing this stuff. So I, you know, I, I think that we need to really focus on stuff, stuff like that. But, but I, I mean, I can go on and on with some of the stuff that I want to do. And it, it's just 31 years of doing this job. And, and I, you know, we, I think we have a great department. We have a lot of really good employees over there. I think people do a really good job, but I just want my, I, I want an opportunity to kind of put things together that I think about and over the years that you think are important and, and try to, you know, try, try to make a difference here. So that's kind of where I'm at with stuff. Well, definitely, uh, Billy, you're definitely a, a seasoned vet there. I mean, uh, for all the things you've been talking about. I mean, I, I, when you first started talking about an, animal cruelty, I kept thinking, I thought you were talking about like pet bull fighting. I thought you were talking about uh, cock fighting, that type of thing, or, you know, that type of cruelty. But you know, I mean, I, I, I've seen the same thing growing up on a farm that uh, people start to neglect their animals and that then like see seeing a skinny well, horse that they, they, it, they it is that though too you know we will you know it, it's it's going after those those, those the, you know the dog fighting the cock fighting and stuff like that yeah we, we've done that in the past when i when i was running a director patrol you know we really focused on an area it, it's south of the raytheon plant down there and it's got it's got a, a term of dog patch because there's a lot of stray dogs i've taken a couple home from there but it's a you know, it's a it's a an area of a, a, a lot of crime. There's a lot. It, it used to be uh, uh, an area that they they you know DA used to tell us that probably ninety percent of the marijuana way back was coming right through there, being stored right there. We'd have uh, two or three home invasions a night. It was just dopers ripping off other dopers and stuff in there. But there was a lot of that kind of stuff. There was dog fighting and uh, and uh, and rooster fighting. We went to a house one time, I remember, we pulled up and we, we had some, a little bit of intel on some rooster fight. And man, everybody took off and we were grabbing people and we had roosters. But we went inside the house and they, they had all the titles of the vehicles 
because they were betting titles on vehicles. That's what they were doing on these chicken fights. So we seized all the vehicles. We had the titles right there. It could have been much easier, you know, type of deal. But it, that stuff, but no, that that is part of the animal cruelty stuff, you know, um, all, all that sort of thing. But I was just use, using the livestock as an example because the problem there is you, you've got a state livestock agency that's not responsible for, for cruelty investigation. They've got other stuff. They used to help us with that. And that and that's why people are somewhat conceived about or deceived about it because they, they think livestock does it, but they're so short, like every place else, that they can't help at all now. And it's not so they, they're like, no, that's on you. And, 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 and then you're stuck with it. You know, you can go out in the middle of the night and have two horses run down the middle of the road and you call livestock, they won't answer the phone. And then the deputy's like, what am I supposed to do with these two horses? And you know what happens? You knock on somebody's door that has some corrals and they come out and get the horses for you. That's how the stuff gets handled. So we need to change that a little bit and have more skin in the game because it's our responsibility to do these sorts of things. But Dan, just like you talked about the dog fighting and this other really brutal kind of stuff, that, that's all part of it too. And when you go after those kind of crimes, you get all kinds of other crimes. When people are oh, doing no, there's, there's, those yeah, sorts of I think, things. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg there. <laughs> you know that. So, yeah. So you're killing, you know, so you're, you're really, you're taking care of a lot of different things. And, and I'm passionate about it, you know. I mean, you know, I know Don is too. I mean, you know, if everybody ever pulled his dog's little collar there, I think that'd be a problem for that person. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. No, it's a quick, quick, quick is his. It's his first love there. That's that's yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So. What what about that? If if people want to find out more about you, or if they want to be, help donate, maybe to your 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 campaign and stuff like that, do you have like a, a website or a so, uh, email account or? So when I would so when I first came on, I was talking. I was talking to you guys briefly, and what I wanted to say is I wanted to thank everybody for you, Tony, and Donda to, to uh, basically. I mean, so so, so this is the first podcast that i've done and i've been out to a few meetings with some people because i'm early in the game i've okay, just started gotcha, getting signatures right. and stuff so i am so right now we're starting to put some things together i'll start campaigning real hard in the fall but we're um, right now we're getting signature stuff but i will have a website okay i will right. i you know and people um if they want to send a few bucks in or you know more i'm going to ask people just just if you feel like i'm the guy for the job just tell people please but we're, we're putting all that stuff together yeah but we're, okay we're gotcha. just now getting started out there. um and and i'll uh, i should have something in the near future on that but um but yeah this is um my first opportunity to get out and talk about just, a few just, things just start, look, look, start looking for Bill Phillips here running for for sheriff here for Pima yes, County. That's right. It's uh, no, I, again, I, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to, to talk to you because I get yeah. first my first time get a chance to meet you there. And but then, but just find out about, about you and your background. I mean, you you just seem like just the right guy to do it because you got so much experience there already. That uh, you've seen all the things that are going right, and you've seen the things that aren't not doing that well, and uh, you know where more time should be uh, spent. And uh, again, I, I like what you're doing there for protection of kids. You know, the school programs that is definitely something because I mean, there's supposed to be no gun type zone type areas, and uh, yeah, that that might keep the the honest people honest, but uh, it's not going to keep the bad people honest. It's like a it's like a lock on a door. It lock just keeps the honest criminals out, right? Well, you know what's interesting when you talk about the kids. So, so I promoted the lieutenant my last just under two years there. But prior to that, I ran the school resource unit. And I'll tell you, so so people have asked me, "Where's your where's your skill set for this?" I mean, 
what, what do you think is your best skill set? So I just, I'll give you an example of something. So about, it's been now about seven years ago, we had the school resource officers. I, I was a sergeant and there were about 12 to 13 deputies in the school resource unit. And we were getting ready to push into the summer. And, and, and what you do in the summertime is they would go back and they would go back and uh, work patrol in the summer. So I said, let's give you guys a little break, guys and gals a break. And, and let's do something that's proactive, good for the community that, that, that for a month or two that we can present and, uh, and and make a difference here. And then you don't go right back to patrol. So just this thing came around that easily. We put together the active shooter workshop. It has taken all, all over the country. That started in Pima County. I was the sergeant. I don't take a lot of credit. I had some really good people working for me. But what I'm good at is I'm good at surrounding myself with good people and, and understanding their strengths and getting stuff done. That's what I'm good at. So we put this thing together in the first year that we did it. We, we started in April. We put it together. We, we, we went to the schools and we said, hey, we're going to show you how we respond to an active shooter because it's different than any other response. It's called directed threat. That person in that school is doing as much damage as they can before they get stopped. They, they oh, kill the, or, 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 or do what? Directed yeah, so, What's it, called? On? What's it called? Direct what? It's called it's called directed threat. So so the way that we respond to an active shooter is a directed threat. So like if you get a guy in a building, a burglar, you know, and you you get him all blocked in a building, then you just slow it down. You can use a dog. I wouldn't use my dog. That's why I was never a canine guy. I'd be like, hold the dog, I'll go in. You know? But you think people always say, but you know, but you can use a dog and you you slow it down. You know, you got all day, but on an active shooter. That person's in there doing as much damage as they can before they get stopped. So you simply show up and you go and it's called a directed threat. You're not clearing. You're not looking around. You're going for stimulus. You know, people are screaming. He's there. You're hearing gunshots. You're stepping over people. You've got to get them stopped. So we went to the schools and said, listen, we're, we, we, we want to show you how we will respond to an active shooter in your school. And at first they were like, we don't want the cops teaching the, the teachers all this tactical stuff. And I said, it's not about that. I said, it's about how we respond. And based on what we're going to do, it gives you some ideas on how you want to handle things, you know, in the classrooms and so forth. So the first year we did this. Way, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we I was say just, just on that, that note there, the fact that school administrations want to be like an ostrich to stick your head in the sand no, that that's so wrong. They better be proactive and know that this is something that will probably happen. And that did happen. So, so we the first year we did it, we we end up with about a hundred people that went through. But we had so we we did a we we did a we we did a, a PowerPoint in the morning talking about a lot of this stuff. What's happening? We showed a lot of you know bad stuff that's happened over the years in videos and. Did them interviewing SWAT team people and students and everything at DC. And then in the afternoon, we put scenarios together and, and we put them through in groups and they would have to go through it. And we put these different scenarios. And the first one, the teacher did, you know, four teachers watch and one person's active for two. And, and they're kind of standing back. By the end of the scenario, they're throwing chairs. I mean, they're barricading. We're like, don't break windows. I mean, we're having to slow them down. People are crying. I mean, it was so realistic. We got nothing but five stars. This thing took off on a national basis. So when you hear, when you hear in Michigan, when you hear back there that, you know, they're doing an active shooter training, that started with myself and 12 SROs in Pima County and that took off. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And that's when people say, hey, man, you know, why, why do you think you can do it? I think because 
I understand people's qualities and I know how to, how to surround myself with good people and take care of them and, and ask them to do a good professional job and just really move along with some good stuff here. So that's kind of what, you know, give, give, you a little little. History, give you a little history about the state of Michigan, uh, Michigan, uh, a couple of the different cities like Flint and Detroit, uh, literally they had metal, de metal detector units that yeah. the students had to walk through uh because wow. of weaponry and stuff like that that was uh coming into the schools knives and guns so it's yeah. uh that's uh, uh and, and they used to have a police officer right there at that entrance as well so yeah. it uh you know that's just a different time and era there but uh you know well we put that we put that program together and it's taught all over the country now and um bill farmer and sam chavez were the deputies that were really kind of kind of really main ones that ran with this but everybody was so involved and you know and by the end of the i mean the the, the second third year that we were doing this thing we had five six hundred teachers and administrators all wanting to go through this thing the pima county elected official for pima county schools went through all the scenarios and he was awesome um so it's it's really taken off and and you know we I, i'll give you a quick uh, if we got a minute i don't know if i'm holding but i'll give you a quick example of a scenario that we had we had scenario that i thought was a neat scenario so we we've got a we've got a classroom in, in in play and a student has to he has to go to the bathroom and he says can i go to the bathroom and he goes out and he takes off to go to the bathroom well as soon as he leaves boom boom we have a guy with a with a with a with a rifle with blanks and he's all decked out we were using real real stuff i mean we've still we broke some windows initially and we did and they said you had to you know settle down a little bit but we We've got the real deal. He's shooting and this kid comes back and he's banging on the door. Well, the idea is not to open that door and let him back in. So they would have to tell him to go someplace else. Well, at the end of this scenario, these teachers are upset. They're crying. You know, this guy's out here and, and, and you know, he, he get, you know, in this scenario is a bad situation. And so I said, well, what'd you learn from this? I said, if it were me, I would go back. If I was a teacher, I'd go back and I'd tell my classes, if you were outside the class and something like this happens, don't come back. I can't open the door. You need to figure out what to go do. So, so these learning, you know, experiences for these people were, I think, huge. So that was our intent is to get everybody to try to think outside the box and, as a, and, and then they could start putting together their plan while we were doing our thing in the schools. And then coming back to the reserve program, if we can have a deputy in every parking lot um, or mo the majority of parking lots, you've, if it does, if somebody does get in the school, you got somebody on scene that can get the directed threat started right away. Get in there and start trying to get that person stopped. That that's an important thing because a matter of two or three minutes under these circumstances is huge. You know, person with with um, weapons can do a lot of damage in two or three minutes. You know, so the quicker you get them on scene, so that driving time, if there's not somebody at that school, of five minutes for law enforcement to get on scene and start getting in there, is, you know, it's huge. So if they're right there, they can go in and, and get started. So that, 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 that's part of the reserve thing that I want to do. So because we, you know, we protect the government officials, you know, we, we got the airport security, all that, but you know, we're not protecting the children, you know, and yeah, it should be our primary focus. If that's know. a big investment, that's our, that's our future. <laughs> and how, yeah. how, come, yeah. how come that's not a primary focus? You know, I, I don't know, Don. That, you know, that's a good question. Why why aren't people want to spend the money to have a have a cop at every school? I, I just I don't know. It's um I've asked myself that question. So all I can do 
is try to work around the money part of it and say, what can I do to, to resolve that? And that's to ask these people retiring, man, would you, would you stay on as reserve and you come in and work one day a week or two days a week and you put a uniform on, you grab a pool card, you go, you go, on, you go to this school and you're there, you're there in case to go, you know, in, in, in case something bad happens. And that's how I'm going to try to start out with this. And hopefully it leads to some pretty cool stuff. You know, maybe everybody will start using it as a plan which would be great. I'm fine with that. Right. I don't mind my idea getting spread around a little bit if it's a good idea, right? right. So, yeah. So do you think the, um, your primary focus would be the, the school uh, security and then secondary would be the animals or? So, so I, rural patrol, which is, is also associated with the animal stuff, you know, and, uh, and, and going back and then that, you know, animal cruelty task force, rural patrol, and, and with, with the reserve program and then the reserve program takes care of a lot of retention to keep officers there. And then also a recruiting basis. And the other priority is to get people, you know, consistent with pay with these other agencies. I mean, it, it makes no sense for somebody doing the same job and in, in some facts doing all the training of these other agencies, and then they make less money. So, you know, um, but the sheriff just, by statute, the sheriff can't just hand out a pay raise to the county employee, but there's things that they can do. If, if, you're, if you're not getting cooperation from the board of supervisors, you, can, you know, you, you can give people on-call pay. You can give people pay for speaking a certain language, for doing sign language. You can give people pay for a little additional pay for having a certain level of education. You can make a corporal rank in between. Um, it won't make them happy because you're going to have to pull the money out of vehicle budgets and all that. But then, you know, when the vehicles are breaking down, it's taking a little longer to get a call. And you, you tell them to go talk to your board or supervisor. That's what I'm willing to do. So I know, you know, that might be, you know, that might be troublesome if you try to win it in four years from now, if you don't have people behind you because you, you rock the boat a little bit, but I'm okay with rocking the boat if I need to. Believe me, I, I really am. And, uh, and that's how I'm going to do it. Is I, if I need to rock the boat to get the things done, that I think are important. I'm, I'm willing to do it. If, if it if it's um if if maybe it's i lose some votes down the road or something like that that's fine you know so i'm just going to yeah, do the I best job i can do in those four years and really do everything i think that is best to protect the citizens of pima county so how, how get people up to pay. what about your interaction with the border patrol how would that how would that come through well if we if we you know i'm gonna i'd really push to have um the stone guard money brought back and when we do that we work directly with border patrol so when we were working stone guard don i'll tell you so in aho we worked a lot of shifts in aho we worked sassabee we worked you know 83 that goes down the sonoida corridor and all that but we spent a lot of time when you went went out to aho to work it was a 13-hour shift because you had two hours drive each way across the reservation it was a long day but you would always go to a briefing with border patrol before you started and they and they talked about intel they get information about a certain vehicles that are moving dope loads or picking up, um, you know, undocumented people on the highways. They got the desert areas or they're looking for people that, that have been lost and they're concerned about having to find these people as they've probably been out there for a couple of days or getting phone calls from family members out of Mexico or whatever. So you have all this kind of intel and stuff and you were working directly with border patrol and it, and it was consistent. What they had us doing a lot was working on the, on the, on the, on the roadways to try to keep, 
people not comfortable moving drugs and stuff right down the freeway so border patrol could work around the desert areas and stuff so it was a coordinated effort so i'd like to work you know again get the stone guard money and work consistent with them but the other thing that you do with border patrol is this and people don't quite this if if i make a traffic stop if i make a traffic stop over off of benson highway in Verde, and i walk up to that car and i got a guy in the vehicle that has no id doesn't speak English, all this other stuff like that. You know, I have reason to believe, reasonable suspicion that something weird is occurring there, okay? Now, people will try to act like, you know, you're bothering this person or what this and that, okay? But I, so I simply can detain him briefly and call Border Patrol and they can come over and they've got access to figure out a name if they're just given a verbal name to, they've got a database that they can go on and see if, if this person is somebody that's had contact with border patrol been deported in the past and all that so you know what we do at border patrol is simply if we stop and and there's a situation like that we detain and have border patrol come over now some people think that that's not our job to do that okay it's like oh you're not you know it's not your job to and these people over have border patrol come over. Well, the alternative is this, is you've got a guy, they won't tell you who he is, and by statute, you have to present a picture ID if you're operating a motor vehicle and you get stopped, or it's a misdemeanor. But they think you should just let this guy person go, well, now, now what if this person's a sex offender? He's wanted for armed robbery. He, um, you know, it, it could be a various other thing. He drives off and gets in a wreck and kills somebody. I mean, then they're gonna say, well, you had this guy stopped and you didn't do anything. So you, you do have the ability to stop and have border patrol come out and check. Now there's a time frame, usually about 20, 25 minutes. If they're not able to get out there, then you typically will document the information and let them go about their way. But it's not anything about your harassing somebody because they're um, Hispanic or you know some other nationality or something like that. It's simply about doing your job. If I get stopped and I don't have a driver's license and I and I and I and I tell the guy that you know. I'm not speaking very good English, so I would expect him to say, you know, I got a little bit of an issue here that probably needs to be looked into a little bit further and not let me just drive off knowing I don't have a driver's license or who I am or anything else. Okay. Well, so like that. that's what we do with Border Patrol, too. Yeah, just like that shit happened in Texas. You know, you had the guy who killed five people, his neighbors, because he's shooting a gun off at one o'clock in the morning. It turns out he'd been deported, you know, what, five, five times? times. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and he had a rap sheet longer in my arm, but yeah. he's walking and breathing the air and all that shit. You know, yeah. get, get benefits here in the United States of America, which he doesn't deserve, and then he ends up killing. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we have. You know, I've had people tell me that they go through a, a checkpoint, and you know, they're offended that Border Patrol's asking them a question. I drive through the one at 83 all the time because I'm down, I'm down around Fort Huachuca and down in the Baba Kamari Ranch with a friend of mine. I drive through there and they ask me the question every time, oh, are you a U.S. citizen? I say, yeah, yeah. And usually, you know, you roll right through it. You answer. But if they have to ask me a few other questions, I'm going to answer those questions. I have no problem with them asking me those questions right. if it keeps, it keeps us safe. You know, um, they've got a job to do or why not even have them there? So when people take offense to that stuff, I think there's, I think there's underlying reasons that they're they're doing that. It's a tool to try to get people to leave them alone or back it off, whatever. But we do work with Border Patrol. We do simply, if we have 
a stop and or a contact or you get a call and you go someplace and you kind of identify people and nobody's there could you know you know tell you that they that they're a u.s citizen or they don't there's no reason that you can't have them just do a quick check on, on people like that so you know and, and and so forth to make sure that they're okay you know and to make sure that they're not wanted on something too you know we you know everybody i stop i run you know i, I run to see if they have a warrant and a lot of people have warrants out there and, 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 and so forth. So, you know, um, I run a lot of Biden people. The guy, you know, you look at, you stop somebody and, you know, for the most part, they, 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 they look pretty law abiding and all that, but I run them just to double check and stuff like that. That's all part of it. And I get stopped and I know they're running my license. They're, they're running to see if I'm a warrant. When I'm up here in Michigan, I, I you know, there's different sides that I go across the border into Canada. Now, again, back in the 70s, it was a whole lot easier crossing the border. Nowadays, you got to go up, you got to show ID and a couple of questions. They'll bring out the, the, the dog to sniff around your car. They may even shove the, the, the little uh, meter under to check underneath your, your vehicle. It's, sure. uh, so, again, it's just times have changed. And yeah. I'm kind of glad that they're doing this kind of stuff just to, for protection's sake, you know? Yeah, we need, to, we need to make sure people are safe and if somebody has to simply answer a question or two, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't have a problem with that. I think, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do it. So I, you know, what, yeah. I, I, think I am too, but to I am too, but it's also based on the um, attitude of the fucking officer asking those <laughs> questions. You know? If he's being a prick, well then I'm, I'm going to be a prick right back. Well, yeah. sure. I mean, it, it kind of, it kind of rolls both ways, but you know, <laughs> so, so the other thing that, the other thing that, you know, if you, if you're, if you're, the lead in law enforcement agency and stuff. I think it's it's important to really support your people, but on the other end, you tell them, you know, you, you, they've got to be professional. Right. And, right. And, and we know, we know, you know, honestly, we know people. I mean, when you've got people working for you and you've got the one person that gets demeanor complaints a lot, you know that, you, you know that. And sometimes it's just, it's a personality trait. It's all robot kind of stuff, the way they act. It, ask for certain and, and, and things like that but but you're absolutely right there's and, and i think when you when you start getting seasoned in this job when you get that person that's seven or eight years on you don't typically have that it's per, it's a person that's doesn't quite have the experience and they come across and they may not mean it but that's how they're coming across the person has seven or eight years on knows how to have a great conversation usually at the car window and get everything done. And if you got four or five violations, you say, Hey man, listen, I got you. Well, you're doing all this different stuff here. No, it was real dangerous, but man, I, I can't let you roll on everything. So I got to give you one little thing here. So sure. and usually it's like, thanks a lot. And, and you move on and you change behavior by, you know, getting along yeah. with the person more than getting in a big argument with them. You know, right. what are you trying to do on traffic stuff? You try to change behavior. You don't want them doing that anymore. Speeding a little bit or, you know, just, you know, in and out of traffic, what it may be, um, as long as it's not criminal stuff that's dangerous. So I think you change behavior by coming across professional and, and basically asking to do it more than, than this kind of hard ass stuff, because then you just have pushback. Just give me the ticket and get out of my face kind of deal. And what'd you right. do there? You know, you just piss the guy off. So oh, but you yeah. ask people to be professional. You, you know, you ask them to do the job professional. And and you support them and stuff, and that's the best you can do. And you got to get good people in there to do the, do the job. Yeah, but one thing that rubs me wrong way is the aggressive driving. 
what kind of horseshit is that? I mean, you got you got some asshole in the in the left lane, you know, going the speed limit or five below the speed limit, you know, trying to ruin everybody else's day. You know, get over into the right lane, stay out of the passing lane, and let people get on with their life. But you get somebody there, and and they're hindering the flow of traffic. So yeah, you're gonna cut in and out, and they call it aggressive driving. I don't, I just don't understand that nonsense. Well- so, well, so, Bill, I think, uh, Bill, let me just cut in for a second. I mean, I, I know Don's got some issues with road rage and stuff like that. He, you, you probably be, had been out to his place several times. In like, the past, damn it, you know. <laughs> well, I just, uh, real quick, uh, Don, so if you look at the statute on aggressive driving, it takes a lot of different things to happen to actually be charged with it. But there are statutes for people impeding the flow of traffic and all that, all those sorts of things. But, you know, just... I always say you can, you, I, you know, I, a lot of times you can tell how smart somebody is by the way they drive, honestly. I, I don't <laughs> you just take it with a grain of salt sometimes, right? So, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you wonder that a handicapped uh, uh, driver's like driver plate is uh, they're physically handicapped or they're driving this handicapped, you know? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, Don's not politically correct. I'll just jump in yeah. for you, Bill. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm hurting your, I'm hurting your. Uh... You're good. We're, we're good. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah. Bill, you're doing a good job. Just it's all the right road, on that one. I'll, I'll jump in there and save you it. on that one. <laughs> I, I get it. I get. It. Thank you. Thank you. We're good. So. Well, I don't know, Mr. Fryer. Are are you good here right now, or should we, are we? Uh, is there? I could get because I know we're kind of premature on your your political campaign, and, and this is actually just a nice way of just getting people the word out that uh, you're you're coming up and, and you'll be running for uh, the, for the sheriff position. So it's uh, you know for have people just start looking for for that because you say it's yeah. eighteen months out that uh, before that actually takes place. But I mean you'll get a lot more uh, in in the public's view, and then hopefully this is just a chance that people can see you and. A relaxed atmosphere and just trouting your 30 plus years experience. And, you know, when you look at all the different things you, that you've done for military wise and, and for uh, law enforcement wise and work with the sheriff's department, that uh, to me, it's like going, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, you've even got other people that, that in your, your family that, that have you know, military background. You, you've got a long history of just uh, serving the country, you know, serving the country and doing the Probably. right things. Yeah. So. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, you know, you've been my friend for over 20 years and shit. We had some fun in the boy. Gym. I tell you what, you, you need a medal just for that alone. Don's <laughs> always been a character. Yeah. I remember, I remember when he walked in the room, I remember that day he was, Remember that you were standing on the mat with old John Foley and you? Yeah, I had, you that, I had that midget throwing rose petals. You know, as I, as I walked into the, the little trumpet. You, know? you and John went. You and John went out there, went at it for I, I don't know forty five minutes. You were trying to hit him with that tight touch, and he kept driving his knee into the back of your calf. <laughs> and then he'd walk off, and you just stood out there like I need some more. Yeah. You know, kind of deal. It was funny. I was like, yeah, John, who's this guy? He's something else. John's you were shooing horses back then, and working for the. Fire department there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, John's a tough one. John's a tough one, boy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's yeah. a great, great workout partner. Great. Workout. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, it's it's all been good, and uh, that was always, you know, Steve would always say when you you take a little time off as you get older and you come back, and he'd always say, 
welcome home. You know, that's family there, you know, yep. all of us guys, you know, you have that, 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 that closeness, to, just that training closeness together and stuff. So, um, yeah. What kind of, what kind of physical, what kind of physical, um, fitness, or uh, rules or stipulations or well, that, you know, that, expectations. <laughs> that's Great. a tough deal. There, you know, so there, there, there's some, you know, when you look at firefighters, they, they simply, when they go to a call, they have to handle everything physically. So they, they, they're required to do physical fitness tests every year. We've got a, the department got away from them. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, so there are there are some cops that are they're not in good shape out there. That's something that really needs to be looked at. Um, you know, I, I would like to give people an opportunity one hour a day to work out. Right. Yeah, and, and, and and you know, and that and that that that's some morale stuff, but it's also, you know, it, it should be required that you're you're in good physical shape to, to do this job because you know it's different than being a firefighter where you go to that call and you're pulling holes and all that you can get away with not being physically fit for a long time, but that one time that it, it's an altercation or something that can become a problem. And, you know, with, with the way that uh, use of force is being viewed these days and so forth, you, Dan, you don't know more about this than anybody. If, if somebody's trained, they work up to their skill set. but when somebody is not in shape and, they're starting to lose. There's all kind of crazy stuff that could happen, you know, and and yeah. that's where they, they start getting away from utilizing procedure and different things that they've been trained with. And, and that, and that, that, that's where you start having some problems, I think. So people not being in shape can create a situation that, that, that that's a liability for them and the department and everything else. So well, I really I, want to focus on that, but we got to move slow because, you know, there are some people that are going to, you know, it's going to take a little time for them to get going there. But, you know, you're, you're, you have to qualify with a, with a firearm. And if you don't qualify, you, you, there, there's some remedial stuff to a point that eventually, you know, you could technically lose your certification. Now, I've never seen that happen. I don't think. I'm trying to think because you get so much help along the way. So I think it's the same thing with, with physical fitness. I think we need to bring back – you know, it may not be a, a two mile run and a bunch of pushups and stuff, but you could you could have a bicycle and swim a heavy bag where somebody's got to go for two minutes on a heavy bag and throw so many strikes in two minutes and stuff. Right. But just to see that they're taking this serious enough that they're working on some cardio and it's good for their mental health. We all know that, right? Staying in shape and all that stuff. It's yeah. huge. It's got all kinds of positive uh, things that we should be doing. And if you can give them an hour a day to train. I think that's that's a morale booster too. But you know, yeah, even, no even an hour, even an hour of yoga, you know, I mean, that sure. stretching, the stretching will yeah. help, you know, and help you mentally, you know, healthy, yeah. healthy body, healthy mind, you know. Yes, oh, right, Mister Fry. So, I think you should actually volunteer to help out there and uh, get your little leotards on there and just help yoga. them out there. <laughs> yeah. Yoga, yoga done. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bill, Dan's getting a little smart ass here now. So obviously it's after midnight in his his time. He's in delirious. To, yes. We, we ought to probably <laughs> give you guys a little bit of a break. No, so I've I'm enjoying this portion here, Don. We gotta keep going here now, you know? <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, it, it's it's fun, but I well, I do, I do appreciate the, you know, you guys bring up a lot of good points and so forth. And you know, and all this stuff takes a little bit of time. It's not easy. And I know the 
you know, the sheriff in there now, I, you know, I give people credit any way that, that does the job, whether, whether or not you always agree with them or not, you know, they're willing to get in the game and they got skin in the game and stuff. And it's not, it's not easy. And I, and I know there's going to be times that I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, why did I do why? this? Yeah. But, why? But, yeah, exactly. But, but I, I'm good at, you know, it's like when you, when you're on the bottom and somebody's got you some nasty hold down, you're like, okay, you know, it's, we're here and, I got to figure out how to work through this thing, right? You, you know, see you, that one, you, you see know. that one testicle hanging, and you bite it as hard as you can. <laughs> you don't know, you don't know what you do with this, and you bite your own testicle. <laughs> how much power you have? <laughs> I oh, think boy. that okay. that comes with the pretzel move, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's funny, I think, man. That's it. Yeah, I think that it's past Don's bedtime now. So yeah. okay, well. And Tony, right. is Tony still out there? I don't know. Tony, thank you too. So, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on and talking about some of this stuff. And, um, you know, and, and uh, boy, I'm really looking for an opportunity to get in there and do it. And hopefully we can talk a little bit as we go through everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, like you do know, this as again. Go, yeah. As we go through yeah, the process we'll, 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 and we'll definitely and bring it back and, uh, again. This is just got a little, little bit of a prelude of some of the different platforms you're looking to try to uh, implement and, uh, and, uh, and then, then we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll get, get some more updates as uh, time kind yeah. of progresses along. And you've got your whatever uh, funds and stuff that's set up that uh, people can actually donate directly to uh, to your cause and that because it does yeah. take some some money there to get some flyers out and get the people calling and, and making contact on, on your behalf. Yeah, well, you know, I, and I'm also humbled to have, have two two of the best wrestlers ever you know, helping me out with this thing and so forth. I know you're back. You coached, uh, you coached Don over at ASU. I remember that and stuff. I swear yeah. you guys met, right? Uh, he, he, yeah, lived I, with, he lived with, he lived with a couple of my younger brothers there too. So it's kind of like a, yeah. I know Don like a younger brother. What a, what a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. Did, did, did he always follow all the rules with that? I mean, was he, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. always do exactly what you told him to do? Of course, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just All right, guys. Well, if there's anything else, I mean, we we've got a lot to talk about. I think as we go through, we can talk about some more of this stuff. I've got a lot more that I can share with you, but we'll we'll do it at, at another yeah, time. We'll do, part, we'll do a part two. Yeah, okay. I like to see about doing this. You know, every uh, every uh, nine or ten weeks. You know, I think yeah. Until until you have the uh, election, you know, I think it'd be okay. fun. I'm good with that. So, um, well, I appreciate your time and your commitment to to Pima County and the citizens. And I know Don's a big patriot, you know, and, and I remember, you know, his dad, dad being a Lieutenant Colonel in the military and all that sort of thing. He's always been very supportive of military and law enforcement and stuff like that. We've had a lot of conversations you're over the good. years and, and so forth. And I know Dan, if you're a friend of his, you're the same way. So, so I appreciate it. Appreciate I, I, don't know. Wait, I think you went a little bit too far there on that one. Yeah, who says he's a friend? Yeah. <laughs> We know he's okay. We okay, uh, Don. We, we we spot me a five spot here, Don. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Faster than you would to me, I'll tell you. <laughs> All right, hey, Bill. Thank well, you. Bill, sir. Thank, thank you very much, Bill. Okay, guys. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.